Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes, great to have your company. You can join us on the Temper Bedshed text machine line anytime. 0487 736 or call 131255. Uh, I mentioned it's been a, a wild day right throughout, particularly the Perth metropolitan area, the southwest, uh, in the Midwest, and even out to the gold fields. Now, Norman Cal says, Pete, uh, hope you're all good. Not so much wintry here in Cal today, about 31 degrees, but very blustery, and now no power for the last 40 minutes. So, Norm there in Cowell is listening to Sports Day WA in the dark. Let's hope the power is flicked on shortly through the lights, likes of Hannon Street and beyond there through Kalgoorlie Boulder. It's a quarter past five. And, of course, you can chat with mates. Uh, mate, fair dinkum, internet without the fuss. And Jan Cooper is considered a mate by many in the football community. And we thought we'd get her on tonight to congratulate her as uh, becoming first uh, female inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame. Jan, thanks for your time. Oh, pleasure, Peter, and good afternoon, listeners. And congratulations. Oh, thanks very much. Did you see it coming? Uh, no, actually. Um, so yeah, I just think there's so many deserving people who have contributed significantly to the women and girls pathway uh, particularly long, long-standing volunteers. Um, so, no, it was completely out of left field. And I sort of think, um, well, in my opinion, I was just doing my job really well because that's what I was paid <laughs> to do. So, but I will take it. <laughs> uh, Jan, I have spoken to you before. For those people that haven't heard about your journey with the great Indigenous game here in Australia, you were born into a football family, weren't you? That's where your interest started. Yes, I, from a very young age, um, used to follow my dad, who is also uh, in the Hall of Fame and uh, an immortal at Swan Districts Footy Club. I used to follow him to footy training, and um, mainly because I loved him. But of course, as I got older and I realised what an incredible game it was, I, I fell in love with the game. So, so I've been. Um, a football tragic most of my life. <laughs> and, of course, your father, John Cooper, who formed such a, a great partnership, particularly in the early 80s, with then uh, the great coach in John Todd. They were inseparable, John Cooper and John Todd, and you would have remembered those days as well. Oh, absolutely. And when I was... Um, Toddy was very helpful to me too, to be honest, um, because I was an assistant head trainer during the three premierships in the 80s that... Toddy coached, um, and I and this was um, one of the things that women had to put up with in those days. I was a health and phys ed teacher, and I had made a state volleyball team, and I was just whinging to Toddy that I don't, I didn't know how I was going to represent the state because I had to take leave without pay for about ten working days, and 
Toddy went, what? You know, because <laughs> men um, in the education department were allowed to take leave with pay if they were representing the state. So he got a bucket out and, and passed it around the players. And then uh, after that game that day, he went upstairs to the members. And, you know, in those days in the 80s, they were sardines in the, in the members club and passed the bucket around there and explained to the members my plight <laughs> and virtually paid, virtually paid paid for everything for my state um, trip as well as um, the wage that I was going to uh, lose as well. So I'll be indebted to Toddy for several reasons, and that's a big one. Did you catch up with him the other night by chance? Yes, I did. I had to boot him out of my chair, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he was very supportive, as he always is. So, um, yeah, he's been a great addition to the friendships of our family. Yeah, no, an amazing man. I had the privilege of working with him uh, in the media for many, many years. He's a, he's a lovely man and still has a passion for the game. And, of course, congratulations to Mel Winnan as well for being elevated <sighs> to legend status. Uh, another special moment. You know, a lot of the new generation, if we can term it that way, uh, that follow Australian rules football, unfortunately have got no connection to the likes of the Mel Winnans and the John Todds and, and these sort of... Pioneers in some ways that established uh, football to where it is here in this state. Absolutely. And like I I was a child uh, when I was sitting in the McDonald's stand or at Leadable Oval when Swans used to play West Perth. And there was two players that stood out for me. Um, One was Mel Winnan. I just just could not believe how often he got the ball against Swans. I don't know who was supposed to be on him. (laughs) And the other one was Bill Dempsey. Um, and, you know, when when you see both of them talk in the media, they're both very quiet, humble men, um, but they were outstanding footballers. So I feel quite privileged that my gen um, understand what good footballers they uh, were. Tell us about when you felt that there was a gender that wasn't represented when it came to Australian rules football. We knew that other sports had embraced the female gender. We saw what the Matildas did in recent times when they were hosting or co-hosting a World Cup and everybody in Australia, and probably including Jan Cooper, got on board <laughs> to support the Matildas in what their achievements was. And all of a sudden, people were saying this was the wake-up call in some ways that women's women's sport needed. Do you agree? Um I think it actually started before that, Peter, and maybe it was only because it was the role that I was working in that we had to work so hard to get the decision makers across the code to pay attention. But I feel like even back in, say, 2015, um, which isn't that far away, uh, you know, away actually, but the US women's soccer team uh, won a World Cup and there was something like 93,000 people in the house, and that was the biggest World Cup uh, audience then. And so things just started to simmer around women uh, getting more mainstream media and more resourcing, etc. And I know I used them as an example, and they also fought very hard for getting an equitable wage. So they were ranked number one in the world, but were getting like a third of the pay that the US men's team was, and the US men weren't in the top 50 in the world. So the US soccer women publicly fought very hard to get um, an equitable wage, and I think they got there. And then more close to home, Cricket Australia decided that 
for Southern Stars, who are ranked number one in the world for all formats of the, the cricket game, should get equity. And in 2016, when they played one of their games um, at the MCG, I think it was 2016, 86,000 people were in the house to watch their um, World Cup game. And and then mean, meanwhile, in about the second year of AFLW, at Adelaide Oval, when Adelaide played Carlton in the grand final, 53,000 people came in the house. So there has been this groundswell of, you know, our community saying, well, we revere the women's game. We're not comparing it with whatever the men do and and they deserve their place in the, the sunlight as well. So I think that the groundswells happened and bubbled away for a bit, but the Matildas just absolutely smashed it and... Um, I was fortunate enough to be uh, at Optus when the penalty shootout with France was on the big screen. And quite honestly, you thought that they would have been playing in front of us because the the crowd went berserk every time our girls got a penalty and groaned audibly every time we missed. So you can imagine they went off completely when we won that penalty shootout. So... I was as proud of that as I have been anything that's been happening in AFLW. Well, let's talk about AFLW. Uh, You've been a prominent figure in the Australian football community and a vocal supporter, as you've mentioned already, with the AFL Women's Program. Uh, Inaugural season back in 2017. So uh, now I think this is the eighth season that the AFLW's are underway and as you know for the second season there is a full complement of 18 clubs are you comfortable the way it's progressing um i i am um i just i think the afl have got it right in terms of you know trying to equalize so allowing the expansion teams to play each other um, more than perhaps the top teams till the expansion teams find their um feet uh, and I think the resources that they're putting into AFLW are good at the moment. Uh, what I would like to see more of is building the depth of talent through the state women's leagues. Uh, I think coaching needs to be more heavily supported so that we actually improve the quality of coaching, which will in turn improve the quality of the players coming through. I feel that um, we're perhaps plateauing a little bit with our depth of talent and, and we need to keep developing that strongly. Our participa- uh, participation numbers are very strong, but I just feel the state women's leagues could be better supported um, in terms of full-time coaches, uh, you know, better strength and conditioning and medical um, personnel, et cetera, et cetera. That, to me, is the layer that needs more help. Of course, you're involved with the AFLW West Coast Eagles team and they actually gave you the number one ticket holder position in 2021. They've struggled a bit, as we know, and last weekend they got belted by Gold Coast up there on the Gold Coast. Do you th- and I've, I've said this a few times, they only get one week really of clear air and that's when the AFL has their bye leading into the finals campaign. And it's almost like the AFL is competing against its own product, which is AFLW. But the big contentious issue, Jan, is where do you position the season and how do you give it the yeah. profile that many people think it deserves, particularly up against now AFL finals? Yeah, I, I agree, Peter. But um, yeah, I think the AFL have to be supported to trial these things 
and just see how it pans out. Because if they don't have any evidence, they're making decisions based on basically nothing. So if the live audiences and the investment in memberships um, and TV audiences drop off because they're against the men's finals, then that will be the data they need to say, OK, well, that's not the right uh, space to position the AFLW. So uh, until they finish this season and then can review it and review the data, I think we just have to let it play out. Um, and, and I still think if we could somehow do a tier of ticketing to do double headers, um, you know, to me, uh, um, if you want to watch the AFLW and the AFL on the one day, you pay this price for ticketing and membership. If you only want to watch the women, you, you pay this and you go out before the AFL men play. If you only want to watch the AFL men, you pay this. And it might be a bit tricky to organise, but I, I think even that's worth having a go because, like, if there were anything like my family back in the day, we'd be there first thing in the morning at, at the McDonald's stand and watch every game that Swans played through to the end of the day, and we loved it. So there must be some football tragics like us <laughs> who would love to watch the AFLW and then watch the AFL in their team. And there'd be others who don't, who want to watch just the women or just the men. So if we could somehow work out a system that could put them on as double-headers, I just think that's worth having a trial as well if we could. Yeah, it certainly sounds uh, like a good idea. The other thing, I spoke to Michael Roberts, the Chief Executive of the West Australian Football Commission on the program the other day, and he announced at the WAFL W competition, as of 2025, the players will be paid. Is it too soon or is the timing right? Um, I, I think the timing's right because you, you need to hold the players accountable. You'd like to think that there's steps being made towards equity because that, again, enthuses people to come to the code because they are treated with the respect that they deserve and they're being treated as footballers, not a liability or a token. I'd also like, as I said, um, some resourcing to be uh, poured into the coaches, though, too, because to me it's all very well making that step for players but if the coaches aren't rewarded too, are we going to attract the best possible coaches? Uh, and to me, I'd like to see that because there's enough models of best practice around the world that shows that when you actually um, pay coaches, give them full-time roles, they have more of a positive impact on improving the standard of skills and strength and conditioning of their players than if you're just paying players. So... I'd like to see the Commission have a crack at um, having a program that pays the coaches, provides them extra mentoring and professional development and really improves the quality of the Rogers Cup and league coaches. Jan Cooper, we're talking to, who was uh, the other night inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame, richly deserved. You've always been promoting gender equality and diversity in sport, and we're seeing the remnants of it in some ways as assistant coaches. Do you think we're far away, Jan, of seeing a female take charge of an AFL men's football club? No, and if, if she wants it, I reckon there's one that would do it already, and that's uh, Rebecca Goddard. Um, uh, I think uh, she's provided coaching successfully for both men and women over her time. She was a very successful um, ACT coach um, 
I think it was Tuggeron. I might have that wrong. Back in the day, um, and she has great rapport with both young men and young women. So if she wanted a role, I think she'd make an outstanding. I think coach. was Rebecca the uh, the individual who applied for the North Melbourne job. She might have been. I'm mm. not sure, but um, I know she certainly wanted to have more input so that she was a full-time coach at the Crows when she was the AFLW Premiership coach, but she was only part-time. And I know she put up a hand to do some work with the men, but um, unfortunately they didn't give her the role, so she left the club. So, so you, <laughs> reckon, you reckon, now. Jan, you reckon she's ready-made? Oh, I do. I do. She she understands the game. She understands people. She's so hardworking and passionate. I think she'd be a superb um, head coach. How do you think it would be received when that decision is finally made where a female takes charge of an AFL men's club? I'm just wondering in that sort of male-dominated space how difficult it may be for the pioneer, the first person to take on that position. Yeah, and see, I'm a bit over the first, to be honest. Yeah. I just, I'm so, I'm a bit intolerant of it. I know it has to happen and you have to go through teething problems. But, you know, Geelong, for example, decided to make Daisy Pearce the first female assistant coach at, at AFL level. So, you know, you just, and some people use the word, well, you know, the club has to be brave. Well, they don't. They actually just need to open their minds to the possibilities, and that to me is not even being brave. That's just being sensible and looking at, well, who's the best person for the job and looking beyond um, the nepotism and the unconscious bias of what's always happened in the code. So um, I think, yes, once there's one club who goes, yep, we'll have a crack at that, and it it may not work, but... I mean, there's lots of examples of male coaches who have been given the role and it hasn't worked for the club either. So, you know, sometimes there's flops and sometimes there's superstars. You just have to have a crack. So I'd also like the code to um, get a a, a more CEO. Uh, We've got one at the moment, Jen Watts at North Melbourne, um, and there needs to be more because there's nothing to say that women won't make outstanding CEOs. So... Well, the West Coast Eagles CEO, Trevor Nisbet, after 25 years, will uh, give it away and uh, will retire from that position at the end of next season. Maybe there's somebody that the West Coast Eagles could headhunt that could be uh, a female yeah, CEO like at West Coast. Yeah, do you yep, want to, is, there, any, is there anyone you nominate? Uh, no, I'd have to give that some thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Jan, I love talking to you. It's a real pleasure. Thanks for taking my call this morning and, and returning it and setting up the chat. Congratulations. I think there's everybody that's really excited about the direction that uh, women's football is going. Uh, it's breaking down barriers, and I think there's some exciting things to happen in the years to come. You're a trailblazer. You're an ambassador for the code, and uh, richly deserve the other night. Thanks for spending some time with us here on SEN Sports Day. My pleasure, Peter. Thank you very much. Good on you, Jan Cooper. I remember a dad all those years ago, Johnny Cooper. What a passionate Swan Districts man he was. And his uh, daughter is just doing some great things as well. Uh, On the 
Tempera Bedshed text machine. Hi, Peter and team. Mother Nature Unleashed today. Great interview with Jan Cooper. Always enjoy listening to Jan. And congrats to Jan being inducted in the WA Hall of Fame. So richly deserved for what she's done for women's sport. Peter, uh, Trevor Nisbet has been a wonderful CEO, a very successful one. He's been a very professional and smart operator. And in the 25 years as CEO, he's turned the West Coast Eagles into a very financial and successful business with 103,000 members, four grand finals and many finals. Trevor has seen the club through its dark days with serious off-field issues and has come through the other side. In my opinion, uh, uh, I'm just losing the end of that text. In my opinion, uh, he's going to be sorely missed. I think that's what Lisa sort of says at the end. Got any, Lisa? Yeah, no, Nizzy's been terrific. Great football manager. Started his football as a player with East Perth and then became the football manager of East Perth. Recruited to Subiaco. And from Subiaco, he took on that role at West Coast, and then once Brian Cook moved on, was elevated to the CEO's position. All right, just for Polaris, uh, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, have a listen to this. This happened in the ODI last night that South Africa beat Australia, but the highlight for me was Sean Abbott. seen in neither can I. That is possibly one of the best you'll ever see from Sean Abbott. Brent, it was supposed to be, oh my word, he's plucked it out and what a brilliant catch. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is one of the best catches you'll ever see. An absurd catch in the outfield. Australia got thrashed last night, the hand of South Africa, but uh, Abbott produced a real mind-blowing effort to remove Marco Janssen in the 47th over, that diving effort. Uh, by the way, it was a, quite a comical match in some ways because Dave Warner was run out after losing his shoe. Uh, by the way, Australia lost uh, the third ODI by 111 runs. The series now stands at... And that update, all thanks to Polaris. Plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Coming up next, Ange Postacoglu, the Tottenham Hotspurs manager here on Sports Day.